0: Verses 17 through 21, and we're going to read this in the ESV. It's been a while since we've done this, um, but we're going to ask you guys to look up the scripture. I'm going to read it, um, but we're we're going to have you guys stand for the reading of God's word. So when you're ready, once you're ready to read God's word, if you could just please stand. Uh, For those who are in person, if you're at home, you can stand if you want, I guess. (laughs) But uh, again, it's uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. All right, so please stand as able if you're ready to read. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, uh, we are continuing in our sermon series uh, um, on happier, and today's message might seem kind of funny. I'll explain it in a moment, but it's called Don't Follow the Belly God. Like, what? What the heck is a belly god? Well, we're going to talk about that in a moment, and we have been talking about how to be happier, but there is a fundamental problem when it comes to true, lasting happiness. We've been talking about this. It's not just momentary pleasure, because that's just... just gone, right? But there are things that we can do that maybe aren't what you immediately feel like doing, aren't kind of the low-hanging fruit of, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, getting junk food, you know, or laying on your couch and and just, you know, uh, binging Netflix or going on a YouTube marathon or something like that. Uh, But there are some things that we know that if we do them, that we will be happier in in a longer sense, in a more permanent sense. But the problem is, is so often, we just don't feel like doing it, right? So, you know, one of the examples that I I think uh, uh, we use a lot, because, um, you know, it's not necessarily a spiritual example, but hey, spirit and body, we're all linked, right, is working out. You know, our bodies were made to move. And when you are able to move, because, you know, that's, what we were built for, that in many ways, you know, uh, being in sync with your purpose, that that's something good and healthy and, and, you know, something that, that uh, ultimately will give you more energy and, and you'll be, feel more satisfied, you know, if you eat better food, right, but sometimes we just don't feel like it. I want to go to the gym, you know, I, I don't want to eat the, the, the super foods, you know, I, I want to just eat the ice cream or I just want to eat the potato chips, right, you know, um, and it, it also holds for spiritual things, right? There are things, you know, I, you know, it's not a big surprise what some of these things are, you know, like prayer or reading scripture or worshiping or maybe even coming to church. You know, some of us, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm really glad to see some of you guys this morning because, you know, that was one of my big fears during the pandemic is like, is anyone going to want to come back to church When you've been able to go to church in your underwear, you know, you don't even need to get out of bed. You can just be lying on your side, just going to church on your phone. Is anyone going to want to do this anymore? But there is something about, right, like even, you know, we noticed this when we did the in-person prayer meeting a a a couple weeks ago. There's something really nice about, like, hearing other people sing, you know, There's something really nice about being with other people. Sometimes there's these things, we don't feel like doing them, but if we can actually do them, we're like, yo, that was good, right? You ever, like, you know, drag your butt off the the couch to to go work out? You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to. But you go, and then after you get that workout in, you you feel really good. Or you come to church, and maybe you had to drag yourself out of bed. You're really tired. You stayed up too late uh, on Saturday. And and you come to church and then you're singing and you're praising God. You're, you're reading God's word together with all of God's people. And you're like, this is good. But you didn't feel like doing it. That is the problem. And that is going to point us to the belly God. We're going to talk about that. So let's take a look at the scripture. It's in the scripture, guys. I didn't just make this up. <laughs> it says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We're going to come back to this what it means for these people who are walking in this certain way and that these people were supposed to follow their example. But the contrast is many people, most people, right? This is the low-hanging fruit. Most people, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their Their God is their belly, I I just combined God and belly became bod, sorry. Their bod is their gelly. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. So another way, I think I've seen it translated this way, that sometimes it says that their God is their appetite, right? So the belly, you know, this hunger, this desire you have, you know, um, that in many ways, in ancient times, when it talks about the inmost parts, this is the seat of emotion. This is the seat of desire, right? And so these things where, I just want it, I just want it, you know? Even if it's not good for you, you want it, right? Like, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, my family, we went to... Um Actually, I won't tell you where we went, because I, I don't want this to be a commercial for this place. But they happened to have this dessert which was a, a strawberry shortcake, and it was as big as my head. I got a big head, y'all, but it was maybe even bigger. It was just like layers and layers of whipped cream and ice cream and strawberries, and you guys get hungry? And it's got the, like, like this kind of biscuity, kind of like, like, it's not really a cake, but it's like this, this you know, biscuit that just, just went perfectly in all of that, and dude, it was so good. You know, and it's so big, right? Like, we had four of us, but there's no way we could eat this thing. And, and so at a certain point, you know, mom, my wife, was like, no more. We can't eat any more of this. Not good for us, right? And, but, but the thing is that it was so big that there was just this big thing, you know, just an amalgamation of ice cream and strawberries and whipped cream just staring us in the face. And they were super busy at this place. It took a really long time for them uh, to, to, you know, cash us out to get our check and everything. And so we're just sitting there staring at the gigantic strawberry shortcake. And just so many times, man, belly God was like, yo, go for it. Come on. It's, it's right there. Just go for it, right? You know, and, but, but so, so friends, if you've ever been in that situation, if you've ever been in a situation, you know, I was talking about like the streaming thing, like, you know, you're watching YouTube and you're like, dude, I got to get some work done. You know, I got to study. I got to go to bed, right? You're like, but oh, just one more, one more. That's belly God, right? That's the belly God. There's ever times where you're like, dude, I got to get out of bed and I got to, you know, do whatever. Do something productive with my life, you know, but you just want to stay in bed. You just want to roll over. That's the belly God, right? And friends, this is the thing, is that a lot of those desires, right, it feels good at the moment, but it never satisfies you. The Greek word for belly here is koilia, and it literally means hollow, right? It's almost as if it's saying that there is this space within you, right? That, yes, physically is hollow, right? Like our stomachs, it's just a space, right? But in many ways, it's, it's also metaphysically, spiritually, it is hollow. It's this space within you that will never get filled up. Right, these desires. This is the way the belly god works. Right, you're like, hey, let's do this one thing. Right, and 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 this is so many times. Right, uh, advertisers, you know, people who want to give you some junk food or something. Right, how does it go? First one's free. Here's a sample. Right, just take it. And it's never like you just take that one thing. You're like, okay, I'm good forever. I've had my pleasure, and I'm done. Right, you know this, and this is one of the problems, especially when. The pleasure has some consequences, as many of them do, right? Has some drawbacks. And you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it this once. It's not that big a deal, right? But koilia, hollow. You take it, it's never enough. You gotta take it again, and you gotta take it again, and you gotta take it again. And there's something that we call addiction, right? And have you noticed that mostly addictions, right? No one gets addicted to broccoli. You ever see anyone get addicted to broccoli? You ever get someone addicted to, Someone was like, "Yeah, I have." Like, smart (laughs) Alec, right? Okay. Usually, let's say usually, right? We usually don't get addicted to the healthy things, right? I mean, I I would love for some of you guys to get addicted to prayer. (laughs) I would love for some of you guys to get addicted to God's word. You know, this is usually not the way it works, right? We get addicted to these pleasures. We get addicted to these things that, in the long run, they also leave us hollow. Right? And not only that, but it says here um, you know, that their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, these things that do not last, right? we get set on them. And with the addiction, the problem is, is that it's never enough, and you're, you're, you just keep wanting more. And the reason why it says their God is their belly is because it's the thing that's controlling you. Right? It's not just a good thing that you want anymore, but you have to have it, and you can't stop. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like that thing, maybe your phone or you know, the, the, the thing you're eating? You're like, dude, I can't stop. I can't stop. And you think you're doing it because it tastes good, right? or you think you're doing it because you want to feel good. But in many ways, at the end of the day, it becomes your God because you can't stop it. You can't control it. Right? It's always the cliche when it comes to addictions, you know, that people are like, I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want. I just don't want to, right? But this is the thing. We know that those things in the end are ultimately good for us. But are you convinced? So you hear Paul talking like this, and, and he's saying that there's a different way of living, right? A godly way of living that is going to be ultimately more satisfying. Right? and ultimately lead to a happier, more joyful life. But do you believe it? Because I think many of us have this, you know we call it FOMO, right? But we have this, this we just feel like, oh, you know, if I don't go out there and do these things that other people are doing, right? That, that, you know, Paul is saying many people are doing this. Many people are just following their appetites and desires to their natural conclusion. They don't even question it. When they want to do something, they just do it. When they want to eat something, they just eat it, right? When they want to experience something, they just experience it, right? And then many Christians sometimes were like Homer in this gif, you know, mm, everyone's having fun but me, You know, ah, man, why do I, as the Christ follower, why do I have to do the right thing? Why can't I just eat the junk food? Right? Why can't I just do the bad things sometimes? Or the thing that feels good. If it feels good, can it be so bad? You know, and we we, we sort of question this sometimes. But friends, I want to show you something in what Paul says. Let's take a look at what he says, the way he describes these people. He says, for many of whom I have often told you now and, and, and and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. You know, Paul isn't looking at these people. He's like, oh, man, I wish I were them. Why do I have to be the apostle Paul? Why do I have to pray? Why do I have to evangelize to the nations? It's not fair. These other people get to go jet ski and go, go get to, you know, just do whatever they want and, and, you know, eat all the chocolate chip cookies in the cupboard. It's not fair. Why do I have to eat the healthy food? Paul's like, no. I know the truth. For one their God is their belly, it leads to emptiness, it will never be enough, and it actually leads to destruction, right? I mean, I know this is just a really small thing, but have you ever binged? Binged so much on something, I, I don't know what, what it was, food, internet, you know, anything, you know, and it, it's, it's the way it is. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the happiness paradox, this idea that things are enjoyable at first, and they seem enjoyable on the surface. And just in our minds, we're like, hey, first taste good, so 100 tastes will also be good. But that's not the way it works, right? Happiness actually has a half-life. It expires after a while. Now, a lot of the pleasures you know, that you have, you are experiencing it, and they say about peak experience of, of, of pleasure is about 30 minutes of the same experience, Right? This is why when you binge a show, the first show, really good. You're having fun. You're like, let's do another. Another one, second one, it's okay, right? Third one, less good. Fourth one, fifth one, you're just a zombie at this point, you know? (laughs) You're just kind of doing it because you're doing it, you know? Do you ever feel kind of gross after binging on something? Yeah? We've had that experience. You're seeing a little bit, just a tiny taste of what Paul's talking about. Their end is their destruction. It's not leading to anywhere good, right? I, I, I saw this uh, TED Talk where someone was talking about different kinds of experiences that, that, you know, lead to happiness. And he was talking about that some are like junk food experiences and some are like superfoods, right? You ever, you know, you know the superfoods like avocados and kale and stuff like that. You know, there's these foods that are supposed to be like crazy good for you. You know, they do taste good, but they don't have the same kind of appeal as junk food. That immediate hit of sugar and fat and salt that just overwhelms your senses right in the first taste. But when you eat the superfoods, you will be healthier and you will have more energy and you will be more fulfilled in the long run, right? Your body will not eat waste away, whereas the junk food, you eat it, it tastes good, but after a while, your body's going to start to break down, Right? Your body's not going to be functionally optimally anymore. And that is the way it is with many of these kind of junk food experiences in life, right? And so Paul, he knows this. So he's not looking at these people being like, man, I wish I were them. He's like, why would I want to be them? I feel sorry for them. I cry for them. I weep for them. I want them to know real lasting joy and happiness. And it can only come through Christ there is this thing that we are learning. And it is learning how to follow not the flesh, but the spirit. So, you know, this kind of like junk food experiences, the immediate pleasures, right? That oftentimes when we follow those things, our desires, your belly, right? That's just saying, yo, that's good, just go for it. The way that Paul often talks about that is he talks about that as the flesh. Sometimes uh, when you read like Romans, Especially Romans 8, where it's talking about this distinction between spirit and flesh. You know, a lot of times we think he's just talking about body, but he's not. Because there's a perfectly good Greek word for, uh, for body. Um, it's soma, but this is sarx. This is the flesh. He's saying there's a part of you that goes for the desires, right? And, and But there's a part of you that will go for the spiritual things, the things that will really last. And that is your spirit right, which wants to follow the Holy Spirit, wants to be in sync with the Holy Spirit, right? So, it's, so this is what um, Paul is saying here. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, right? You, you, you see the strawberry shortcake, you, you see the ice cream, you see, you know, the thing on TV, you see the thing on, on the internet, and you want it, right, and, and you obsess about it, and you think about it, and you wonder, how do I get that? Right? But it says, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Our minds start to change. We we, we start to think differently. Right? And this is one of the the problems that we have. Many of us who are out there in the world, you see so many people, they're all living for the things of the flesh. They're all living for the sports cars and they're all living for, you know, the, the, the fancy vacations and all of this stuff, which, friends, It's not bad, but many of these things are junk food experiences. Every once in a while, having strawberry shortcake is good. Having it every day, every meal is not. You can't live on it. It's not going to be the thing that fulfills you. You cannot live for the stuff of this earth. You can't live for money, right? Jesus was very clear. You're going to serve one and and, and love one, and you're going to hate the other and ignore the other. Right? Be opposed to the other. And that's the way it is. Right? What are you going to be living for? What are you going to set your eyes on? Everyone in this world, pretty much, it seems like they have their eyes set on money and the things of this earth. And we might start believing them. We're like, well, maybe I should be focused on that. Right? And so we start living by the flesh and we have our minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. There it is again. Just being very clear. The end is destruction, friends. The end is death. Impermanence, right? But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I titled this this whole sermon series not like, like, you know, super happy fun times, but just happier, right? The the promise is that uh, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. One of the ways that I've been talking about happiness, at least lasting happiness, you know, I I don't want to just get caught up in semantics, you know, and just defining terms, you know, but we are talking about the good life. We are talking about really just being fulfilled in life right, being at peace. Yeah, there's just so much there rather than just that momentary fleeting feeling of happiness or pleasure that just, just comes and goes, right? We want a life of peace. We want real, everlasting life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, to God's command. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So friends, it is sort of setting the flesh, right, your belly, as a God that is opposed to the one true God. You can't live for both. You can't serve both. You can't follow both, right? One's going to control you, right? One is going to be your ultimate obsession, one is going to be the thing that you, you are really pouring your energy and your heart into, and the other is not, you know? And so, friends, um, I, I just want to go back to the beginning of this passage in talking about what then can we do? So, so I told you a bunch about the belly god, right, that it's not going to last. The end is destruction, right? But you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, but now what? what? What are we supposed to do instead? Right? And so instead, we are supposed to join in imitating me. Uh, so this is Paul talking. So he's saying, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Right? And friends, um, you know, for me, uh, this is something that I've been learning. Um, I, I know for me, as I've been trying to live my life the best I can, you know, There's so many times where I get to places where I, 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 you know, just feel empty. And and for me, I got to tell you, for uh, uh, many, many years, you know, I I struggled with depression and anxiety. And, um, you know, I just regularly would kind of burn out in ministry. It was just a cycle, these ups and downs. And by the grace of God, you know, I would somehow, you know, get through the valley and be okay for, for a little bit. But there was a time in my life, um, I've shared this before, Um, this was about, I want to say about six years ago, Uh, it's probably been six or seven years now, um, where I experienced this burnout, where instead of like bouncing back after a couple weeks, I just like, I just felt like I had no energy, you know? And, and, And I was like, like every week I would come to church and just be exhausted, and and throughout the week, just have no motivation. I'm like, dude, what the heck is happening? You know? And, and I just felt in my spirit that this burnout was different. And I was like, I, I, I can't keep going like this. It's like, I'm either going to leave the church, I'm going to leave pastoring, I'm going to leave my faith. I can't do this anymore. Not this way. And so I went on this personal retreat, and um, uh, it, it, it was at Lake Huron. And I've shared this story before where I was staring out at the, the, the water, and the water was just really, really deep in some parts. And some parts it was so deep that it looked almost like black, just like on the horizon, in deepest parts of that lake. And it reminded me of this quote by Richard Foster He said that desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And one of the things I realized was that I'm I'm not very deep. (laughs) Uh, That quote is actually from this book. Uh, This is my copy of The Celebration of Discipline that I got when I was in in college. I wanted to tell you about this (laughs) because, um, you know, throughout my life, I've had a really hard time with discipline. You know, I've really struggled with the belly god. you know? That, that thing within you that's like, hey, let's do something fun, you know? Let's do something pleasurable. And the, the responsible thing or the thing I should be doing, I couldn't do it, you know? And I had heard about people who are, like, super disciplined. They can, like, get up in the morning... And they can pray on a schedule, or you know they're able to do their work when they're supposed to, and you know they can get themselves to focus. And I'm like, man, I want to be that kind of person. And I was walking around this Christian bookstore when I was in college. I must have been like a freshman, freshman or sophomore, something like that. Um, And I, I was just looking for something that would talk about discipline. And lo and behold, I see this book. I never heard of it. I had no idea who Richard Foster was, and. I decided to buy it because I'm like, the celebration of discipline, the path to spiritual growth. I'm like, I need discipline. Yeah, bring it on, right? And I started reading it, and I didn't get very far because the very first uh, page, it says, the spiritual disciplines, door to liberation. I'm like, wait a minute. This is not talking about discipline in general. It's talking about spiritual discipline, This isn't what I want. I want to know how I can study for my tests, right? I don't don't want to know about spiritual discipline. But it's very interesting what it says here. The spiritual discipline's the door to liberation. Do you think about discipline as liberation? Or do you think about it as restriction? Be honest. Be honest. When you think about praying on a schedule, do you think like, wow, that's going to be so freeing? So liberating, just right, like just letting your hair down, like you know, blood, the hair blowing in the wind, like freedom. Do you see eagles and you know, you know, like born to be an American, right? Like proud to be an American. Is that how it goes? Um, yeah, Fourth of July, right? Um, do we think about those things, or do we think about constraints? Do we think about like, ah, oh, well, I guess I have to pray. Pastor Steve talks about it a lot, right? But it's saying. This is the door to liberation. I want to read. It's actually the first line from the book. um, Well, the first paragraph. I want to read it in in, in its context. It says, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. Do you hear that? The doctrine of instant satisfaction. What are we talking about there? The belly god, right? Instant satisfaction. That looks good. I'll do it right now. Right, It's primarily a spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. The classical disciplines of the spiritual life call us to move beyond surface living into the depths. I realized in that moment, when I was looking out in the water, I am not a deep person. and remember this quote. And and I was just so desperate. I was like, I don't know what to do, right? I don't know how to fix this. I tried all my usual ways of fixing. Sometimes I'm like, I just need more fun experiences, or I need to hang out with friends, or, you know, I need to turn that frown upside down. I just need to have a better attitude. Nothing was working. I was desperate. And I was so desperate that I realized there are people who have already done it before. There are people who have been walking the Christian life who have been living as Christ followers for centuries, why do I think that I'm going to reinvent the wheel? And it's something that I've fought for so long. Maybe it's just because I'm just not naturally a disciplined person. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm an impulsive person. I don't know what it is. But I've always fought discipline, spiritual discipline, this idea of just having a set time or just regularly praying, reading scripture, spending time with God in solitude and silence, right? It is not rocket science, friends, and I'm not telling you anything original. But one of the things that you hear again and again and again from spiritual biographies is that great men and women of faith are great men and women of spiritual discipline. They're great men and women of prayer, right? Martin Luther who's the, the great Protestant reformer, he has this famous quote. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it, but he says something like, I'm so busy today. I have so much going on. I'm only going to be able to get in three hours of prayer today. That's it. Just, just three hours, right? <laughs> Friends, I mean, I'm not saying this to shame us, right? I know we live in a different age. We live in a digital age. We live in a distracted age, Right? The God of the belly has a great, great, great instrument to distract us and drag us into uh, all kinds of, of tangled webs and chains, and it is our phones, and it's in our pockets all the time, right? I think they did a poll of people, how many people check your phone within 15 minutes of waking up? And, you know, someone said that, um, uh, uh, like, like it, it was like a TED Talk, and they are asking the audience, About 80% of the people raise their hand. He's like, 80% of you are raising your hands. The other 20% are liars. (laughs) You know, how many of you, within the first 15 minutes, friends, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. How many of you reach for your Bible? How many of you pray? But we are programmed by design, right? These things are designed to control our behavior. Right? We do it, and we're not even thinking. We think we want to. You ever not have your phone for a day, and you're like, <laughs> right? you feel so lost, you're, you're like, "I feel naked, like I need it, I need it." Right? It's like withdrawal. You know I saw this thing where I, I know they were just being a little bit dramatic, but um, the, uh, there was a family, they tried to challenge people to like leave their phones for a week and they put it in a glass jar. And by the end of the day, like the parents come downstairs, they turn on the lights because they heard a noise and you see the son has broken the, the glass with a hammer and he's like on the, the, the grounds, like on the floor of the kitchen, just like going through his feed like, like a junkie, right? Just like, oh, <laughs> I needed it. Friends, friends, I'm just saying, It's a sickness, right? And there is an antidote. But it is just, I mean, you know, we are not reinventing the wheel. There are classic things that people have done throughout the ages. And I realized that in that moment. In that moment, I was like, there are people who are spiritually deep. and, and, And they're not burning out every two seconds like I am. You know? They're not blown by the winds of their desires like I am. But those people learned how to pray, how to read scripture, how to be still with God, and how to do that regularly in a disciplined way. And I was like, I need to learn how to do it. I have to. Because if I don't, I'm not going to last. And so that's what I set out to do. If you go back like six, seven years ago, (laughs) around May, Uh, And you look at the LGM sermons. During the sermons, I would ask people. I would say, who wants to do this with me? You guys want to do this with me? Because I don't know how to do this right now. But I want to learn, right? And I learned all kinds of things. I learned things that work for me. And I learned some things that were tried and true. And friends, you know, you, you got to tweak these things for your lifestyle, for your schedule, for your personality. But you can't get around the core things because they are tried and true for a reason right? I mean, I I, I say this often, that Jesus would go and pray early in the morning, he would sneak away from his disciples, and he would go spend time in solitude and silence with God. Jesus, yo, the son of God, right? He had to do it. And and here I am, Pastor Steve, you know, who at the time was like, you know, I must have been like, what, six or seven years ago, so I was like 20, Just kidding. (laughs) I was like, what, 35, 36 years old, you know? Uh, And I'm sitting there thinking that I don't need to pray, that I don't need to do regular spiritual disciplines, That somehow I'm different. I'm built different. Mm, I don't need to do it. All you people... You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther, John Wesley, you know, all you people, Apostle Paul, you guys are praying all the time. You're, you're reading and meditating on scripture, you know, but I don't need to do it. What? Who am I fooling? Right? And so it was this humbling moment where I had to reckon that. Not feel guilty about it, but just I need to learn how to do it. And one of the things that I wrote in my journal at that time was I am going to spend time with God in silence and solitude every day. And then I wrote this. This was my saving grace. I had to remember this all the time. I said, and I am going to be bad at it. (laughs) I'm going to be bad at it. Until one day you're not, because it just becomes a habit, right? It becomes a discipline. You got to learn that discipline. You got to do it every day. Right? And some days, you're really not going to want to do it. Right? But if you have ever built in any kind of discipline, I know you all have, because I'm looking at you, well, okay, I can't see your teeth, but normally I would be able to see your teeth, so this would work better. But I'm guessing you all have teeth. Right? And the fact that you have teeth makes me think you brush your teeth every day. And you don't even think about it. Right? It's just a discipline. You just do it. It's just what you do. right? In the beginning... There are many days where I'm like, I don't feel like praying. I don't want to do it. You know, and I have to force myself, right? And after a while, you know, when I go to my prayer time, there's no thinking involved. There's no choosing. There's no deciding. It's just part of my life. It's just what I do, right? So friends, again, I, I don't know if you can see this at home. Spiritual disciplines, the door to liberation, to freedom, right? To being able to overcome the belly god. I just want to be fair, right? You're still going to fight the belly god, right? But it gets easier the more that you learn certain kinds of disciplines. So friends, I just want to encourage you. You know, maybe um, there are people that you admire, Spiritually that you know, brothers and sisters, this is why we often will do this at church. We'll have like discipleship relationships where it's really an accountability relationship. You meet with somebody who maybe is a little bit older, a little further down the road than you, and they can help you, right? They can share with you what they are doing, right? And then you can set up your own kind of discipline that you try, right? One of the things you can do, maybe you're like, I'm 100% quarantined, I can't hang out with people, or I'm just really, really shy. Friends, one of the things you can do is you can read spiritual biographies. One really good one that I read, um, uh, it's it's the the biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's very long, but it it, it actually is very easy to read. Uh, It's it's, uh, written by a guy, Eric Metaxas. It's excellent. Um, But if you read spiritual biographies, you'll see how other people live, what they did, what their disciplines were. And again, you are not them. You can try copying them, imitating them, and then adjusting for your life, right? Maybe they got up at five o'clock in the morning and you're gonna be 7.30 instead. It's totally fine, right? But friends, at the end of the day, I wanna close the way it closes in this scripture. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven as opposed to destruction, right? Instead of the end being destruction, this is our end. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Do you see Jesus? Jesus is disciplined and Jesus has power and Jesus is free. Free to love and live in accordance with the will of God. Many of us, if we want to do it, we're not able to do it. But this is the promise. When you follow the example of people who have gone before you, you learn spiritual disciplines. As God continues to work in your life through these things, through these, I, I mean, friends, I want to be clear. Disciplines are not something that you are doing in and of yourself. Most of them just involve making yourself open to the Holy Spirit, right? My prayer time, most of it, I'm not talking. I'm just still in the presence of God, you know? It's not like like I'm doing this heavy exercise, right? I'm just like, Holy Spirit, you come and do your thing. And he will, and he will transform you into a glorious body. Do you believe that? Some of y'all maybe are feeling tired and weary. You've tried before to pray, read the Bible. You've done it once or twice, every now and then sporadically. That's hard. What's not hard is doing it every day, right? And when you do it every day, there is transformation. You get, in a sense, I hope you all understand this, you get stronger and stronger and better and better, right? And more empowered by the Holy Spirit working within you, right? To the point, for Jesus, it says, I mean, it's by the power that enables him even to subject all things To himself. There is nothing that is not under the control of Christ, right? And you more and more will have the power of Christ running through you, empowering all that you do. Amen? Amen.